Take care of us. Take care of us way before we even realize. Lord, this morning as we come to hear you speak to us, Lord, we pray that our hearts will be open and that Holy Spirit, you do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Um, I want to take some time to just share a short testimony of our trip in, in, in Joburg. Um, some of us were in Johannesburg for the past week, and uh, it was an amazing, amazing experience. We, I, 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 I think if you are in this church, not that the other churches are not, you know, but I really feel that like this is the church. <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> this is the church. Um, just to hear from our leaders um, globally where they are at, what God is doing in their lives and in their hearts, and as far as the movement is concerned, I think um, those guys are hearing from the Lord, and um, really where the movement is going, um, we are on the right direction. We are in line with what's going on here. And I, I'm not just talking that because I, I'm a child of the house. I really, I can see a lot of things that I'm even learning at NETS that this, these guys are catching up to. And I'm like, wow, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a global confirmation of the word of God and where we are moving. Uh, it was also a great time connecting with Pastor Chris. We, we, had, <laughs> we had an amazing time. I think we are, we are bonding as brothers, and that's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, so we left some of the girls uh, in Johannesburg. I don't know what they're doing. Don't ask me. Um, they, are, yeah, they wanted to stay a little bit longer. They will fly. Some of them will fly in today, yesterday, and, and Monday. So, yeah, we, we were a good, a good bunch. Um, the other thing that I also want to acknowledge, which is very, very dear and close to my heart, my mom and dad are in the service this morning for the first time. So... <laughs> Yeah, they are sitting right there, yeah, which is, which is wonderful, which is beautiful. Welcome, welcome home. I mean, welcome to church. <laughs> All right, um, so today we are going to start with our new series, and this uh, is actually going to be a specific book in the Bible. We are going to do a book, um, um, so I will do a bit of an introduction and a little bit of chapter one, and then somebody else will follow after. So um, I think it's a wonderful thing to, to, to go through scripture sometimes. It's good to have topical sermons. It's good to have themes and series that are sort of contemporary, looking at our issues where we are at. But... Um, Going through the book, it's going through God's word. And I think there's nothing that can explain God better than scripture. So um, that's what I want to do. And this morning we're going to do that. And so I'll ask Shelter to come and read the whole chapter one for us so that we understand. And Steve Marrell was saying when we were at the conference, read the scriptures. Read the scriptures. Let the people hear the word of God. And so that's what Shelter is going to do for us this morning. Thank you, Shelter. Um. Good morning, church. Yes, hello. Okay, so Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kelon. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Opa and the other Ruth. After they lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kelon also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, 
Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and then they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand is turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Oprah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. These are the words of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. So we, I think the biggest question is, who is Ruth? Who is Ruth? The scripture we see that we're hearing that she's a Moabite woman. Um, I want to take us a little bit back to Genesis. Now we all remember the story of Lot and his family when they had to run out of Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened was that, uh, of course, the wife of Lot became a pillar of salt because she looked back when she was told not to. And then... Now, it's very dangerous when the family is running away without their mother and the wife. And then, of course, this family ended up somewhere in a cave in, in, in some plains. And, um, and so they decided to make that place their home. But now the daughters of Lot were so convinced that there is no more men left. Everybody has burned up by the fire of the Lord. And there's no one else left apart from the three of them. So, they decided to make their father drunk. And this is the record that we see in Genesis 19.36. He says, so both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. So they made him drunk. And then they, they, they slept with him. Day, two days after. I mean, a day after. It's your turn now. And then the next one. And then they became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. And the second one also had another and named him Ben-Ami. This is where the Ammonites come from. And this is where now the people of Moab come from. So, um, but very interesting... That's Genesis 19. And you need to understand that up until this point, Abraham, who is the cousin or yeah, uh, the uncle, he is, he is the uncle to Lord, he has been interceding for Lord's salvation. And, um, and then you remember that when the scriptures were written, there was no chapters, there was no those subheadings. Now, beginning of, verse 20, of chapter 20 in verse 1, this is what it continues to say after this horrible event. It says, now Abraham moved on. <laughs> Very interesting. 
Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the new Negev. I just want to say that sometimes things get out of hand. Even when you are praying. And you are asking God's intervention. And it seems like, yes, he's saving, but things are just getting to the point that you don't know what to do. My advice sometimes is, look at this passage of scripture. Move on. Let God deal with that situation in his own way. And indeed, he will. He will do something. But as for right right then, Abraham had to move on. He had to stop praying. He has to just move on. And all we see is that Abraham focused on his family and he did all that. But look at what Deuteronomy 23 verse 3 says. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord. Not even in the 10th generation. So this whole people group, they are wiped out. Why? Because of incest. Because of incest. These two girls committed a horrible, horrible sin before the Lord that will wipe out the whole people group, even generations to come. Some other version says, here where it says, may enter in the assembly of the Lord. It even says there, of the Lord and of the Israelites. Like the people of Israel are not even supposed to mix with these people. Abraham and Lot are very closely related. But here we see that God had to make a serious decision, had to create a law to keep out the Moabites and the Ammonites. So now we are reading this morning out of the book of Ruth and we are hearing that this woman is a Moabite. So the question is then, How is this possible? What happens to the word of the Lord that they may not enter into his presence? But before we get there, just hold that thought. I just want to give a little bit of a a background as to what is happening during this time when this amazing story is taking place. Verse 1 of Ruth says, In the days... When the judges ruled. That gives us a time frame as to when exactly in history was this happening. By this time, the Israelites are settled in the land. Joshua and Caleb, the faithful, faithful ones, have died by this time. The people are now being ruled by the judges. That's when you hear people like uh, Gideon, um, Deborah, and Samson. It was during that time. Now, there is what they call this crazy circle. What was happening there was the Israelites serves the Lord, and then they falls into sin and idolatry, and then they get God's judgment, so they are enslaved by other nations around them. And then they cry out to the Lord. And then God raises up a judge. After he raises up a judge, the people get delivered and they continue serving the Lord. This was the circle that they were going through. So when the scripture there in verse 1 says, In the days when the judges ruled, it's trying to give us a, an understanding that at this time, it wasn't the best of times in Israel. The people were living in sin. The people were living in, in sin. And then it continued to also tell us 
that there was famine in the land. There was drought in the land. And I think Namibia understands that very, very well. Uh, it was just last year that we were wondering, are we living in sin or what's going on, God? What's going on, you know? And so now, of course, we are blessed. And so we are saving the Lord. And so <laughs> we are saving the Lord. Uh, till further notice, no. No. no, no, of course not. So this was the time. This was the time that this amazing story is happening. I, I have a, a little bit of an illustration here. Um, I've got a, a vase and a, and a rose sort of springing up in the midst of the dirt. If you look there, it was, it was gray. It was dirt. It was, and then there is this amazing life. That is sort of like springing up in the midst of this dead. And that has something to do with who this amazing woman, Ruth, is. Even though she comes out of a people that are cut off from God's presence, she, for some reason, and through God's kindness, there is this beauty that is springing up. I was reading um, a story the, one, one of the authors decided to take this story and put it in a, in a, a secular magazine and did not put chapters or verses or say that this is the book of Ruth out of Scripture. And so they just read the whole story. And then at the end of the day, people started questioning as to who was the author of this amazing, beautiful story. Who wrote this? Because this person must be really genius. Um, because the story sold, and it actually made that uh, secular magazine to really sell that specific time. And even after other magazines were published, people were still looking for that book, uh, for that specific magazine, so that they can read the story. And this happened in England. And so, you see, sometimes people don't know what is in Scripture, you know? It just amazes you. But the story itself is so beautiful. Uh, this was one of my first stories I read when I, when I had to read the Bible. I think I read this whole thing like several times because it was just so deep. It was really so deep. And so what is, what is going on here is that um, the story is invited into, especially chapter 1 is invited into two sections. Section 1 is Naomi loses her husbands and sons. And then section two is the return, which is then, um, section one is verse one to, to five, and then section two is verse six to 22. Um, the beauty here about Naomi losing, um, not the beauty, or the, 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 the difficult thing, or the, the horrible experience of Naomi losing the husband and sons is especially in Israel where family lineage is so important. It is, it, is, it is very difficult for her. That's why she rather be called Mara. Now, I didn't know because there are a lot of people who are called Mara. And so I'm really sorry to bring this out, but it's, it's the scripture and it's, it's Naomi. Please blame Naomi. Um, but Mara is a beautiful name, and I've seen many people called Mara who are so, so beautiful in heart and outside and also blessed by God. So don't feel bad when your name is Mara. But this is what's going on here. And so she, she really, she's really, really broken. She's broken. Losing your husband is one thing. But then now... That whole name of Elimelech and, and everything about that family is going to be wiped out. So she's really in a place where everything that she thought that she had, it's all taken away. And she doesn't know what to do. All she's looking forward to is to go back to the land and just die as a poor widow. She doesn't have anything. The last thing they had when they left the famine 
it all just got lost into the, in, in the land of Moab. So she comes back really, 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 really poor. And I, there's something beautiful here because sometimes when we, when we lose the things that we thought we were creating ourselves, I think when we are at that place where we don't even know anything anymore, I think that's the place where God, has, God finds us. I think that's the place where God meets us. When we have no agenda, when we have no plans. When we say, God, I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. I've tried everything I know. Even simple things like my family and, and the things that you have blessed me, what I thought you gave me. And you just, it's, just, it's all just taken. It's all taken. And I, I want to take some time also to... There are, there are families here that lost their loved ones. There are families here that lost their loved ones. And you're still sitting in that place that you don't really understand. You don't understand. But, but why? But why? That's the place that God meet us. That's the place that God, where God meets, meets us. So be encouraged and do not let go. The other thing that I also want to bring across is look at what Elimelech is doing. Elimelech is leaving the land, the promised land, and is going to the people that he's not supposed to associate with. He's going to Moab. What is going on there? What's going on there? Sometimes there is an exception to the rule. There is an exception to the rule and only God can do that. Not us. Because otherwise... Naomi will not meet Ruth. Otherwise, Ruth will not accompany Naomi back to the promised land. Everyone, I'm sure everyone in Israel at that time were going like, are they crazy? Have they forgotten the law? Have they forgotten what God said about us not mingling with those people? But... Little do they realize that God is busy trying to bring life out of the dirt, out of sin, out of a people rejected, thrown away. Little do they realize. Look at the relationship. And I think this is what we all need to, to understand, especially the mother-in-law is usually seen in a very bad light. Um, look at this relationship that is going on here between these two daughters and Ruth and Naomi. It's an amazing relationship that when they had to say goodbye to one another, they are crying. And not only are they crying sophisticatedly, but it's, it's they, are, they are wailing. It's like, bah, bah. <laughs> Like, it's difficult. Like, there's a bond that took place there. A deep bond. Talking about deep. And let's continue. So, it just shows when God is in any relationship, when God is in any relationship, that relationship will cease to be superficial it will cease to be superficial. It will be a very deep relationship that even to the point of when that person is leaving, and they are not dying, but they are just going to another place. There are tears, deep tears, of wondering whether will I be able to see this person again. Verse 8. 
Verse 8 says, Naomi said to her two daughters, Go back, each of you. Go back. To your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness. Look at that word, kindness. It's a powerful word. Because that's the word that is coming all over and over again in this whole book. Is the Lord's kindness. What actually brings Ruth in the midst of this dead is the Lord's kindness. It's when God's love brings something that was not part of the plan into the plan. Today we are talking about Jews and Gentiles, all included into God's plan. That's God's kindness. It's God's kindness. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, Will you go back? We will go back. We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? And she continues explaining her situation to them. Would you remain unmarried for them if I had to give a child and you have to wait until they have to grow? Would you remain unmarried for them? No. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. I think there, Naomi is realizing what they have done. Her and the husband. She's realizing that it is actually God's will that I am in this situation. Because first of all, I'm not supposed to mix with the Moabites, and my husband took us back there. He died, my children died. So it's actually God's punishment. God's hand is against me. Now, this has nothing to do with you, and I don't want to drag you any further into this mess. You return home. So she's thinking that she's actually doing them a favor. At this, they wept. They wept. Then Orpa kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Ruth is caught up between Moab and Bethlehem. She's at the crossroad. But she chose to clung to her mother-in-law. She sees Orpah going up the hill and off she goes. And now she's there and she's, no, 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 no. I'm not going anywhere. I am not going anywhere. And then there we hear that Naomi insisted that she also follows the other. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you. Now we may look at this story and thinking that Orpah is returning. But Orpah is not returning. Ruth is returning. Ruth is returning to God while, while Orpah is going even further and further away from God. What's happening here is 600 years of history. What happened in Genesis, here it's being fulfilled. When Abraham had to move on, left everything to God, God is busy 600 years later restoring what was broken back then. Amazing. It's an amazing story. She sees something. She sees something. Even beyond what Naomi can see. She sees the hand of God. 
not to curse, but this time to bless. Maybe you're also at the crossroad. But please, don't be an Orpah. Be a Naomi. Someone who, cho- I mean a Ruth, someone who chooses to go to God rather than away from God. Even if you have to go back to your sinful life, do not do that. Because sinful life is something that we know. But where God is taking us, we have never been there. I remember that day when I was making a decision to follow Christ. My friend looked at me and says, we can't, you can't leave all this. And we were at the prime. <laughs> at the prime of sin. <laughs> we were there. And they said, but we worked so hard to get up here. I was trying to get myself into some gangs and, you know, Chiwarongo, and it, it, it was happening. We had beautiful girls and it was happening. And so they asked me, so are you planning to become a pastor? What is this now? Well, how boring. And I said, friends, I'm seeing something else. I'm seeing something different. God is calling me. And maybe he is not calling you now. Maybe he's going to call you later. But I choose to become a Ruth and not an Orba. I don't know what is the crossroad in your life. I really have no idea what is the crossroad in your life. But I choose to be I chose to become a Ruth. Now these crossroads they never finish. You become a born again Christian today. You choose to follow God with your whole heart and life. And then something else is being presented to you. Maybe you need to choose the woman you need to spend the rest of your life with. Now, my brother. <laughs> That's a crossroad. Because there are so many of them. And they are all godly and beautiful. Which one? God, help me. Maybe you need to choose a business. You need to choose whether it's ministry or full-time ministry or marketplace, which I don't know. There are always crossroads in our lives. There are always crossroads in our lives. But the will of God is the best choice. Is it possible? Yes. Because God is with us. His name is Emmanuel, and he's not just Emmanuel for no reason. He's to lead us and guide us. When Jesus was with the disciples, he says, I will not leave you alone. I will send the comforter. I will send he that will open, reveal all truth to you. I will send the one that you will have to fellowship with. Every day. He and myself, we are one. There's no difference. So don't feel like you have to hide things from him because you want to keep, give it. No. We must be with God. We must make those choices with God. Because it is only in the will of God that life springs out of the dead. Only in the will of God where we are free. And that will is made very clear here for us. So then, Ruth makes a commitment. She makes a commitment of her choice. She says, where you go, I will go. Now, there is always a thing here when you are reading this passage. It's like, Is she talking to Naomi or is she talking to God? And the, the author wrote that with that intent to help our hearts to understand that the commitment she's making as much as as it is Ruth that is standing there, I mean Naomi is standing there in her presence. She's making this commitment to God. 
Because he says, I will go where you will go. I will go where the Holy Spirit is leading me. I will go there. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. What gives this woman the power to decide who is she going to be? What gives her that power? How could a Moabite become a Jew, an Israelite? She's being prophetic. She is being prophetic. And that prophecy, here we are today. Here we are today. Where you die, I will die. There, (laughs) I will be buried. In other words, my bones will not be taken back to my homeland. And especially as Namibians, we understand that very well. The bones must always go where I come from. Please don't bury me in these streets. Don't bury me under another person with a corrugated iron. Uh -uh. I want to go back. But she chooses something. She chooses to become another. She chooses to embrace not her earthly identity, but she chooses to embrace who she is before God. We are all ambassadors of God in this world. This is not our world. We are exiles, Apostle Peter says. We are not from this world. We will go back when the time comes. When he appears on the cloud, on the, cloud the scripture says our bones will come up and we will be given new bodies. We are not of this world. So let's not cling to the world. Let's rather cling to the promises of God. When Naomi realized there is nothing that you can do when someone is determined. There is nothing that you can do. When you look at the person and all what they are saying does not make sense, but when you look at their faces, they are determined. It's like, what? What? You're not making sense, but everything else is determined. So maybe I might have to reconsider. When a person is convinced about their eternal call, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. So the two women returned two women return home. The story ends with an amazing arrival where everybody is happy to see Naomi. But to her surprise, I mean, she's wondering, why is everybody excited? Why are they even excited? Because there's nothing to be excited about. It seems like Naomi was the only one who was not at the party or who was not aware of what was going on because there is celebration all right through. And look at the last verse, verse 22. It says, So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So in other words, there was springs of new life. Something fresh was happening in the land. They left, it was dry, it was pale, it was, you know, uh, like our yellow grass around here. But when they returned, there was this new life. There was this new life. And of course, there was a word that was given to her that, of course, there is now food at home. Don't starve here in the land. 
And when she comes, indeed that promise was fulfilled. God is doing something fresh in the land. He's doing something fresh in the land. And here is the beauty of this amazing story. Beauty of this amazing story is Ruth gets married to a man called Boaz. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer was someone who had to, if there was a property or something, who had to sort of go there and, and, and sort of redeem that piece of land back to the family. He had to play like sort of like a, a, a cleansing, some, top of, some sort of a cleansing in the people of Israel. So every family had, had that, the kinsman redeemer. And of course, Ruth, being a Moabite, if she has to be engraved into the family of the people, she needs to be redeemed. And who else does that rather than Boaz? Now, you ask me, how, why didn't she just slide in and go and live in Havana and, or in, or in, in Kleine Kupe and no one noticed? Why? Because God is busy writing something amazing. He's busy creating history and he has the future in mind. God has a future in mind. He's bringing in a woman that needs to be a mother to someone very, very significant in the history of Israel. Very, very, very significant. And later as we read at the end of chapter 4, At the end of chapter 4, what we see there is the genealogy of David. It says, this man, this then is the family, the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon, and Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, and Boaz the father of Obed, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. So out of Ruth and Boaz, Obed is born. Obed is born. Now, Obed becomes a very significant man because he gives birth to Jesse. And Jesse is the father of David, the king of Israel. This was all in the plan of God. Today, we sing about David, we hail about David, but all what it took was the obedience of one woman. An insignificant woman who chooses by faith to become significant. And it's only God's kindness that can make us significant. So maybe the question that I want to ask is, is there such a thing as insignificant before God? Do you see yourself as insignificant before God? Because indeed, what God has chosen, no one will refute. No one will change the plans of God. Think about where you are coming from. Think about the people, the bloodline where you are born. There is no way if it was not God's kindness that you would be sitting here this morning. No way. It's God's kindness. It's God's hand upon us. He's the one that chooses to bring us close to him. The book of Acts, 
chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Somebody help me quickly. That passage that says he chooses men where to live, he determines the borders and the boundaries. That's 26-27. See that far. 2627 as in verse 1. Okay, anyway. Um, it's God who determines where we live. It's God who determines where we are born. It's God who determines the borderlines of our lives, what we will do, where we will end up, and what. It's God. It's God. It's not out of our own choices. Even when you are the one packing your things, thinking that I'm moving to Australia, it's God who does that. Because there is a reason why he wants you to be there. There is a reason. And friends, we must never, never think that God does not care about us. We must never think that God does not care about us. God loves us. That's why he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to come and die for us. God loves us, and it's through the blood of Jesus that we are engraved into the families of God. Christ died so that we don't have to die. The story of Ruth, as it continues in the coming Sundays, it will unfold even more just to help us to bring an understanding what happens between law and love. What happens between God's commandments in the Old Testament and God's grace in the New Testament. What happens between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. It's an amazing story. And it's sitting right there in the Old Testament, but it is also looking towards the New Testament. It's helping us understand that Jesus Christ, who is a great, 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 of Ruth, of the Moabite, who was not supposed to be there, but through God's kindness, is there. So if that is the situation, then why do you think that you can be in God's presence? Why do you think you can be in God's presence? God is bigger. God is greater. God is huge. He can do anything to save you. He can even die on the cross, which is the last thing, because for us, we think that if you are dead, it's over. Ah, it's over. But Christ dies. While we are thinking it's over, he comes back to life, and he gives us a new life. He's the first among the dead. So that we can also come to where he is. May we all rise to our feet as we pray. I want to wanna pray for specific people. One is you are at the crossroads. I don't know what is the crossroad where you are right now. But I really want to pray for you. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will be so close to you that he will whisper to you. That he will lead you 
as the scripture says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. That he will clarify the path that you need to take. And if there is someone right there, just lift up your hand, I will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, there is no way else where we can turn. Nowhere else. It's only into your presence. Your word is a lamp for my feet and is a light for our path. And Lord, we ask that you will come, that you will speak your word to us. Look where each and every one of us are at, at the level of our faith, where we are at with you, Lord God. Father, I pray that you will clear this confusion in the name of Jesus and that you will lead your children like a great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He leads me beside quiet waters for his name's sake. He takes me to greener pastures. He's a good shepherd. You're a good Good shepherd. That's who you are. And Lord, this morning we, 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 by faith, we bring ourselves to you. Lead us. Guide us. Into your will. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak against any doubt, any confusion. Lord, because we know, Father God, that there is no confusion in you. You are a God of order. Lord, I pray that things will align and things will be in place. And those things that are rising as if they are, but they are not. Father, I pray that they shall fall in Jesus' name and that you shall lead your sons and your daughters into your will in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for your faithfulness. We know, Father, that we can trust in a God that is known for an unknown future. Rest our heart, assure our faith in you, And may we not doubt, because we are not of those who shrink back. We are those who who stand by faith and who trust and believe in you, Lord God. And by faith, we shall see those things, and they will come into reality. In Jesus' name, amen. The second person I want to pray for is, you have lost your loved ones. And you are paining and you are grieving while you have your eyes closed. I just really want to pray for you and I want to really trust God that he will come. He will comfort us in times of need. It doesn't matter how long ago the wound is fresh and I sense that God wants to do healing work right now. He wants to heal you. He wants you to trust in him. And if you are there, just lift up your hand and I will just pray. I will just pray for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that we can turn to you. We lift up our, he- our eyes where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Right now, Lord, see our hearts, see our pain. Lord, it's difficult and we won't deny. It's difficult. But Lord, by faith, we draw to you, Lord. And I want to pray, Father God, that you will see us. See us from our pains, from our wounds, of our loss. Lord, I pray your comfort right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, if there are those that are doubting us, that are doubting you now, Lord, because, because this, this pain is so big and, and Lord, we are questioning your, your, your goodness. We are questioning your kindness. We are questioning who you are, Lord. We are questioning even if you are a living God. I pray that you will come to our rescue in the name of Jesus. Come now, Father God. Come now, Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to us. Reveal who you are 
as a comforter, as a God who has the, the end from the beginning, the God who sees, the God who brings the rain, the God who sees the drought from the harvest, from the, from the, from the rainy season, the God who blesses, the God who refreshes our souls, the God who gives living water, the God who takes the thirst and the hunger away from our souls. Come, Lord, minister to us in this time, in Jesus' name. And Lord, may we remember the memories, but may we forget the pain, because that's who you are. That's who you are. Sorrow may last for the night, but indeed, joy comes in the morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The last person I want to pray for is the person that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The person that does not see God. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you are like Ruth, and there are so many people telling you that you must go back into your sinful life. This morning, God is calling you. God is calling you into the promised land. God is calling you into a place of restoration. God is saying, return to me, my son. Return to me, my daughter. You are mine. I have created you for a reason and for a purpose. Come. And if you are there, please lift up your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Don't let this moment pass you by. I see that hand. Don't let this moment pass you by. Just say, Lord, here I am. I open my heart to you this morning. We don't want to waste a lot of time. Please just, just come to the front. Take that step of faith and just come to the front. Come to the front. Those people that have lifted up their hands, just come to the front. Take your step of faith and trust God. Hallelujah. Just, just, come, just come here. Come and stand right here. Our God is good and our God loves us and he doesn't want us to be away from him. He doesn't want us to be away from him. Stand right there. And I just, just want to ask you to pray with me and to repeat after me as we pray this salvation prayer. The Bible says you believe with your heart but you confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord. Just, just pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus. And everybody, please join in. Lord Jesus, here I am before you today. I'm your daughter. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Father, for bringing me back. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for waiting. And this morning, I open my heart. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Now and forever. Cleanse me from my sins, Lord. And forgive me for everything that I've done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for your daughters this morning. Lord, we know, Father God, that you are the one that 
speaks to our hearts. You're the one that speaks to our depth of where we are at. And Lord, we pray that you will shield them. Lord, you know where you are picking them up from right now. Lord, we know, Father God, where they are at. And Lord, I just pray your comfort and that you will love them to a place of restoration and that they will be healed and that they will be whole. Lord, take their brokenness and restore them to a place of joy and beauty. And Lord, I pray, Father God, that they will be protected and that the enemy will not come and touch them again. In Jesus' name. They are yours and they are in your hand and no one can snatch them away. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please, let's give the Lord a hand. Let's give the Lord a hand. Please, if you need prayer for anything else other than what I just mentioned here in front, please, you're welcome to come. We'll be here ministering to you. Other than that, let's enjoy the Sunday and uh, let's spend time with our families and our, and our loved ones.